0: Good morning, good to be with you again, and uh, we are going to have our regular children's moment. Charter. All right. Well, good stuff. Christmas is a good time. So, do you remember what we talked about last week at all? No? What did I have up here on the stand? A star. Yeah. What did we just sing about? Three little words. Joy. Yeah. So, last week we talked about, we are supposed to have a garment. on display to the world around us. And we talked about how that's kind of like a Christmas tree with a star at the top. But that star is kind of the, the thing that just finishes it off. And our spirit of joy is what finishes us off as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. So today we're going to kind of keep talking about Christmas trees. Or not necessarily Christmas trees, but trees in general. And some things that, that Jesus teaches us through that. So I have a picture here of the tree in my backyard. Um, it's a pretty big tree. So, what what did it take for the tree to get that thing? What kind of things does that tree need? Sunlight, yep. Water, one more thing. Soil, yeah, those three things. And if it has those three things in the right amount, they can grow big and look nice like that. Um, so, What's good about a tree like that? What, what kind of good things does a tree give? Shade, yeah. In the summertime, when it was, was warm and we were in the back, and having a meal or something, that shade was more really nice. Who knows? Anything else good about a tree? Habitat for birds. Yeah. Animals live in trees, don't they? We have a ton of squirrels and birds in our house. Um, so sometimes, some trees, this one doesn't, but some trees get nuts that animals eat. So they provide food. So a there's a number of good things that the trees provide. So I have another picture of the same tree. And this is from this point. Does it look different? Yeah. Which picture did you like better? you like this picture or the first picture? First picture, why? Because it has leaves. It looks nicer, doesn't it? Okay? And there's a verse in the Bible we're going to kind of talk about that relates to that. This is from Jeremiah 17. And it says, the person who trusts in the Lord will be blessed. The Lord will show him that he can be trusted. He will be strong like a tree planted near water. That tree has large roots to find the water. It is not afraid when the days are hot. Its leaves are always green. It does not worry in a year when no rain comes. That tree always produces fruit. And What God is telling us in these verses is that when we follow him, we can be like that first tree all the time. That we can be green with leaves on and providing shade. It's needed, and basically it says that God plants us in the right place where we can get the things that we need to grow. It's like a tree needs soil and water and sunshine. We need the Bible, we need other people, and we need God to help us grow um, into the person that we're supposed to be. And he will make sure that that happens. He plants us in just the right place. And if we do that, if we, if we keep focused on the right things, it says we'll keep our degree. Um, That if there's no rain, meaning the things are bad, it won't matter. It'll still be with us and keep us fresh. And it says it always produces fruit, it always does good things. Um, so if you take advantage of, of your parents and your teachers and the Bible and things and keep growing, that's what you can always be like. So that's what I wanted to. So we're going to uh, talk some more about those trees in just a little bit. But uh, first, we want to uh, have our final prayer and praise. And uh, I don't know about do, you, but it was, it was a good week. Um, I try not to dwell too much on my granddaughter and be a, be a, um, a conscious grandparent. But um, one of the highlights for us this week was i worked for weeks on making some, a set of bunk beds looked like a, a house. It had some things added to it um, so that it looked like a house. And we gave that to our granddaughter on Thursday. And watching her uh, excuse me Friday, um, watching her expressions and reactions was was a real thrill. Um, she's been she's been a joy in our lives and, and just of course the time and family. So much um, to be thankful for Anyone have a praise they want to share at this point? Okay. Any prayer requests? I don't know how many Over there, they didn't wear their masks, so hopefully they're all safe. You can pray for
1: them. Okay, anything else? I do have a praise and a prayer request. Okay.
0: What's her first name? Okay. I thought I had the right name, but I wasn't sure. Anything else? All right. Well, then let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the beautiful sunshine this morning as we gather. Thank you that you provide, as we just read with the young people, everything that. You, you give every good gift, and on Friday we, we celebrated um, this most important gift of all. We thank you for the time that we had to be with family and friends, and to reflect on the meaning of sending your child, your son, to be with us. Example you set of giving, of putting others first, that we follow, being encouraging to one another. And I pray that you would help us as a body to do that, to be giving and caring, and to reach out to those who are lost, especially with the good news that you send. Thank you for the joy that you learned about last week as we sang about this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we don't. Any longer have to live in despair, in hopelessness, and wonder of no what's to come, but we have hope in you, and that gives us joy. And I pray as we approach into new year, you would help us to live that way, that we would live in joy, that we would be like a star. that you would continue to make all of us into what he desire us to be, that we would be that we would be a beacon to those who are in. Father, we give you thanks this morning. Home uh, that she was living in, uh, clearing out the material things. Mom will be responsible for the rent anymore. just pray that that process would go smoothly and uh, well. We pray this morning for uh, Doug Shank and uh, this COVID virus that, that he has, and that it. it wouldn't be too bad. Who are still battling the virus instead, as we've said many times, such an influence on our lives. We ask that you would restore health, that you would bring us through this this crisis. There's so many questions of what to do and how to respond. May we treat each other first, May you help us to make. Jake and Nancy already, but we pray for our missionaries that we support for, for Jake and Nancy, by it means us it to multiple. We lift them up to you. We thank you for their willingness to to leave their homes and go into a foreign culture, to sacrifice the many. have Had some longings and loneliness being away at the holiday, maybe just fill them. Or would you give them wisdom in their work? Would you give them favor for the people that are around you? We pray for a heart. If you meet with then he him, and, um, must be looking forward to him coming home soon. Best to safe travel. As he concludes his business there to be able to accomplish all the that he's been. Pray for our nation. We just continue to ask for your healing for the bitterness for the of the race politics. your word and what it is you want to you see and hear you. Okay. So before I get started on the message, I did want to share just one other thing. I noticed um, several times, and I was reminded again this morning, that there's some folks who currently aren't able to come uh, to church or aren't comfortable coming because of COVID. And there's some mailboxes that are full of cards and different things, and also some cards for people that we don't have mailboxes for. If you're able to deliver any of those, would you stop by and grab them out of the mailbox? um, I'm sure those folks would be encouraged to get the cards and things that people drop off. Um, If you're not, whatever you're not able to deliver, I'll try to get out this way. So, time continues to move by pretty quickly then. It seems like just a few weeks ago that Susan and I started our ministry here, it's been five and a half months already. It seems like just a few days ago we put up our Christmas tree, but it's been four weeks. It seems like we just started listening to Christmas music, but it's been four months. Not really. Some people rush the season a little bit. uh, My my wife and I lovingly harass each other because she starts listening a little bit before I'm ready um, to the Christmas music. But uh, the point is, time keeps passing. Um, There's nothing that we can do about that. And if we're not careful, as time passes, we can let the things that we've learned and our memories of special things pass. With the time, and we don't want to do that. So this morning we're going to linger one more time on Isaiah sixty-one and what it has to say to us here during this Christmas season. We've been looking at the message of God sending one um, who was anointed to bring good news and to bring us new gifts and change for the ones that we uh, really didn't want. And we've been reflecting on that. And uh, as you know, we talked about because of Christmas and what it means that we can have freedom instead of our bondage to sin. We can have comfort instead of our mourning. And last week we saw that we can have joy instead of the spirit of despair. All these things we learned are because Jesus came at Christmas and what that coming represented, and what it led to. Gives us the opportunity to exchange all these undesirable things we received as a result of sin in exchange for something much better. And so, as I said, we're going to look at those verses one more time and see one more lesson. So, if you want to turn to Isaiah 61 with me, the first three verses say, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the Lord. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve and die. To bestow on them a the crown of the beauty instead of the ashes, the oil of the gladness instead of wine, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. It will be called Oaks of Righteousness, the planning of the Lord for for the display of his splendor. So you may be wondering, well, we've already talked about all the gifts, right? What is it we're going to talk about this morning from, from this passage? And we're going to focus on that last sentence. It will be called Oaks of Righteousness, the planning of the Lord for the display of Basically, God is telling us that once we receive these gifts from our Savior, once we receive freedom and comfort and joy, that he wants to make us earths of righteousness for the display of this pleasure We're going to look this morning at what that means. And so to understand, um, we're going to kind of break it down here a little bit and look at the different sections. And it starts with the They will be called oaks of righteousness. This is the they that he's talking about. God's found those first two verses, first two and a half verses. To say it's the poor, it's the brokenhearted, it's the captives, the prisoners, the mourners, the hopeless. That's who God is talking about, will become oaks of righteousness. All of these were once nothing, were once lost, were once insignificant. But now they're going to be seen in a new light. They're going to be something that's looked up to, admired, and strong, and healthy. And we're going to dig into this big word picture and see what it is the Lord wants us to know. Um, why we word it this way. To understand, I think we first need to look at oaks. Why didn't you pick an oak? There's hundreds of species of trees. Why did the Lord say will be oaks of righteousness? Well, there's some interesting facts about this that I found this, this week. Um, the first one is that one of the wedding anniversaries is, is considered oak. You know how five years is such a thing and ten years, and I, I don't know what the hell they all are. But if you can get to 80 years, that is the oak way. So, 9-100, if Susan is 101, if we are both alive, we will reach an oak anniversary. Another interesting fact is a mature oak tree can reach 148 feet tall. That's pretty tall. There are over 600 species of oaks in the world. The largest and longest living oak is in the picture. See on the screen. It's called the Seven Sisters Oak. Somebody actually named it. It's in Mandeville, Louisiana. But somehow they've, they've determined that this is the longest living oak currently existing and, and the largest as well. And if you didn't know it, oak is our national tree of the, of the United States. Um, don't hear much about that, but it is. So, that doesn't really help us much understand the verses, but there are some other facts about oaks that I think perhaps God had in mind when He chose that to represent what we're going to look like. There are certain facts about oak trees that can help us grasp the meaning of the verse that we just read. So let me share a few more things. The usual lifespan of an oak tree is about two hundred years. But some can live as long as a thousand years. That's a long time. The majestic trees, they, they're known for their longevity. So, what's the point for us? The point is that oaks last. That they're healthy, that they're, they're strong, they're they for quite a while, which means they have an impact for a long time. Where they have that kind of When God said we would be like folks of righteousness, He envisioned that we would be long lasting. So we would have an impact not only in this life, but in one morning because of the legacy that we leave behind. We are to endure, to live on. Some verses I found to support that is Proverbs 10 27. It says, The fear of the Lord adds length to life. But the years of the wicked are cut short. Is that true for every single Christian? Obviously not. But as a general rule, when we follow what God asks us to follow, it adds length to our life. When we avoid those things that aren't healthy for us, that put us in bad situations, that expose us to things that that could be not good for us, Saints add life, years of life. And so the fear of the Lord adds life to life. The Psalm 145 4 says, One generation commends your works to another, they you tell of your mighty acts. As we talk about the Lord, as we've learned before, we're supposed to talk about it to our children day, morning, night. As we do those things, we're preparing another generation. Long-lasting effect on the world around us. So that's the first thing that we can learn from an oak about what the scripture represents. The next thing that we can see is that oaks reach for the light. Here's what I mean. If you think of an oak tree in your mind, and if you look at the picture I had earlier of the tree in my backyard, that wasn't an oak, that was a ash. But
1: if you think of an
0: oak tree by itself. It's usually kind of rounded out and not as tall as um, feet. And when they grow by themselves, that's what they do. They spread out as far as they can to get as much sunlight as they can. And because of the weight distribution of the tree, they don't get as tall. But when they're in a forest and they're surrounded by other trees, including other oaks, they grow taller. They grow straighter. And they reach for the light above the canopy. And that's what encourages them to grow straight. And so, we as folks of righteousness are going to do the same thing. We're going to reach for the light. We're not to spread out to other interests and get unbalanced, but we're supposed to keep growing in one direction, closer to that which provides our life. Our strength. We're supposed to stand tall, so that that light reaches others, so the word is played for others to see, as it says later in the verse, and we'll look at it in a little bit. The next thing I see about oaks is that oaks grow better together, as we just said. And they're on their own, they spread out. When they're together, they tend to grow straighter and taller, and they become of more use. Those shorter trees. Don't provide as much lumber, but not as helpful to carpenters and furniture makers and others who use that wood as one that would grow in the forest. And because they work together, they help. Because they did grow together, they grow taller. We're supposed to do the same thing. As Christians, we're to stand together and we're supposed to help one another grow taller and grow straighter than we would. We Remember the messages not too long ago about fellowship and what that really means and what that looks like in our lives. And it's represented again in the book tree. As we grow together, we'll grow straighter and we'll grow, grow taller. Five says, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share. We read that verse when we read about fellowship. Our partnership together should deepen our understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. We have work together that way. So that's another reason why oaks represent what God is trying to describe to you. Another thing I found this week is that oaks are resistant to attack. Oak wood has great strength and hardness, and it's very resistant to insects And to fungal attack, it has something in it called tannin, which um, works against the bugs and the funguses and things. Because it's a strong wood, it's used in boats, it's used in furniture, it's used in flooring for many things. I use it often in my shop. Um, For those who haven't been there or haven't heard me talk about it, I love to make furniture. Our kitchen table is oak, the hutch, our bed furniture is oak. A lot of people like cherry or walnut, and those are nice. But there's something about the grain and the beauty of oak that I love. And so oaks are special and resistant to these attacks, and we're supposed to be resistant as well. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. When we are in God, we have the strength to resist the enemy, and he will lead. The attack will end. Ephesians says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Like in hope, God provides in us what we need to resist these attacks and to continue to grow strong straight and tall. Another thing I found is that oaks are very fruitful. You may not think of it as fruit and it produces an acorn, but they really produce one oak can produce over 2,000 acorns every year. That's a lot of acorns. Over the course of a lifetime, it can produce up to 10 million. Imagine if we were that fruitful. Imagine if we were that productive. But that's what God's asking of us. God wants us to produce. It's another picture of why he chose the oak. But in the season and out, we are are still producing for him. 2 Timothy 2 says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. And trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It's that reproduction. I've learned it, I share it with you, you share it with someone else, and it just continues. And more oaks are planted, and they produce. And that's the picture that God has here when He says, We're oaks of righteousness, but we continue to produce others. I kind of got ahead of myself a little bit earlier, but oaks are strong and beautiful. It's been valued for years in buildings because of its strength, because of it's long lasting, its elasticity, its durability, and its beauty. So I talked a little bit about some of the furniture and things that I make and how I love that, but it's, it's strong, it's durable. God wants to build his kingdom upon that strength. Upon that durability. building. God should be able to use us to build this kingdom and create something beautiful in our world. Ephesians 2.20 says, Together we are his house. Build on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. And so there is a foundation there. The cornerstone of which is Jesus, and the foundation was laid by the apostles, were the oak timbers to continue to build a strong structure that will last. Finally, this is one I probably found the most interesting oak trees are dependent on. The wording I found in my study is oak trees are a keystone species know what a keystone is a building with masonry? If they were going an arch, they put in a keystone that allowed the rest, took the pressure of the rest of the uh, stones and held them so that they wouldn't collapse. Oaks are the keystone of the forest. The entire ecosystem depends on them for survival and habitat. Studies have found that acorns are food for more than 100 species of animals. Their massive trunk and branches provide shelter for many birds and mammals, as someone earlier shared. The world is depending on us to provide that same kind of life. We're the keystone in this world to give life, to give shelter, to give shade, Stand up as oaks. The world around us They don't have any hope. Matthew 5 says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl." Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God wants us to be salt, to be flavor in the world, to salt was also used to cure, to, to preserve. Need to be the preservative in our world. So, those are the facts I found about oak trees themselves. But that's just the beginning. It says we're to be an oaks of righteousness. What does that mean? That's not a species of tree. How do you be an oak of righteousness? Well, it's a metaphor for living in a way that pleases God by loving God, others, and ourselves. In the verse, God is telling us um, what would it look like, what would it do. Maybe you don't feel very righteous, but when an acorn pushes through the ground. And it's just a tiny little seed. Tree. What is it? It's an oak tree. It's not any less of an oak tree than it will be when it's 148 feet tall and 1,000 years old. It's still an oak tree. And that's how Jesus sees us, how God sees us because of what Jesus did. For the remainder of an oak, oak tree's life, the moment it's a seed in the the remainder of its life it will simply grow into more of an oak a bigger oak tree, but still an oak tree. And God wants us to understand that at this moment if He sees us as righteous. If we have accepted that that gift exchange that we've talked about, if we've accepted freedom from bondage and comfort from mourning and joy for despair. If we've accepted those gifts, then we are at this moment as righteous as we will ever be in his eyes. Romans 10.4 says, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. In other words, Jesus fulfilled everything so that we can be considered righteous. We don't have to feel like His gift, his righteous to do whatever we need. But we all know we need to work at it. We need to continue to grow just like an oak tree. You no know, oak tree wants to remain a seedling. It's more vulnerable as a seedling, right? It can be eaten, it can be stepped on, whatever. It wants to do that, shooting up, growing strong and straight. And we should be trying to do the same thing. And the good news is, not only does God give us that immediate righteousness, but He gives us the grace to grow more. Titus 2 says, To the grace of God has appeared, to offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and boldly passions, and to live self controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearance, the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are very young, eager to do what is good. Oaks of righteousness, eager to do what is good. Desiring to grow in the way God wants us to grow. That's the One that is not only righteous because he sees us that way, but because we are striving to live that way. Striving to live out what God has called us. And it says that he teaches us to say no to the wrong things. And to the self control upright in God lives We need to be different in the world. We need to say no to what. We need to be self-controlled. Again, the good news is found in Matthew 5. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be If we make it our desire, God says, I will give it to you. So we should hunger and thirst to be righteous, to be pure. Because God will. The next thing I see in that verse is it says we are planted by God. It will be called ropes of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. As part of God's restoring work, God, he not only restores us, but he plants us in a good place. As Jeremiah said, we'll read here again in a moment, but plants us where the water is that our roots can go deep and we can receive all that we need One of the facts about a oak tree is a large tree can drink up 400 liters of water a day. To do that, they need deep roots and plenty of water. And God plants us where we can get those things. As I like to share with the young people. God doesn't just say, okay, you're a military. no tree now. I'm to figure it out. No, he puts us in just the right place. This congregation is part of that place where we can learn and grow together. With our families where we can learn and grow together. We're privileged to live in a country where we're not persecuted, at least not in the way many in the world are. He's planted us in a good place. As we read with the children, Jeremiah says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought, their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. When we're planted by God, we can be confident that we are in the right place. Sometimes we wonder, God is where I'm supposed to be. I've under that for a number of years. But we can be confident we're in the right place and that God will provide with us what we need. And that we will grow. And by deprunted, that is for our good. And that we will be protected. God plants us. Plants us in a good place. Where he will watch over us. It's his garden. The last thing we see in the verse is we're planted by God for the display of his splendor. One of the dangers and we're going to be looking at this more in the coming weeks one of the dangers of reading about all these wonderful things God does for us is starting to think wow I'm really special. God does all of this for me. That's pretty cool. And we are special to God. There's no doubt about that. He wouldn't have gone to the effort he did if we were not special to him and we weren't loved by him. But that's not why God did all of this. His purpose in doing what he does is for us to reflect his glory. We are supposed to live out the message of Christmas. There's an example right for, for the Christmas story. Luke 2 says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, What? Yes. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. You see the message. Sometimes we skip over it. We're so excited about the birth of the Savior and the good tidings for all the people that we miss. That after that's presented, the angels come out and say, glory to God. All of this was so that God received the word of his spirit. It's not about us. It's about him. He is gracious enough to include us in him and provide good things for us, but it's for his glory. And before I in the Christmas story. We've looked at this verse before too, but it's repeated in 2 Corinthians 3. All of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is his spirit, makes us more and more like him, and we are changed into his glorious image. So as we talked about those ghosts of righteousness, we're supposed to grow tall and straight, be a display, be an example it's repeated here in 2 Corinthians that we are changed into God's image, and that's what we're supposed to be displaying to the world around us. His glorious image. This glorious glory. And finally, 1 Corinthians 10 31. So tune all your work, first, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do. Do it all Gave us all these gifts, exchanged all these bad things for good things for a purpose. The move we come, hopes of righteousness, is blame, is We're going to be doing all things for the glory of God. It can be easy to get caught up in our day to day routine. That's the question we should be asking God each day. How can I present your message and bring You glory? I'm going to end with a quote that I found as I did this study. It says, Our ordinary mind always tries to persuade us that we are nothing but acorns, and that our greatest happiness will be to become bigger, fatter, shinier acorns. But that's an interest only the case. Our faith gives us knowledge of something better, that we can become oak trees. Who wants to be a fatty one gets eaten by I'll become an oak tree. Our Father, thank you for your word.